everybody. We're so excited you're here with us this morning as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. Jesus has rolled back the stone, walked out of the grave, and he is alive. Because of that, we can spend eternity with him. Let's celebrate together.
right, guys. Hey, feel free to grab a seat. Happy Easter, everybody. Welcome to the best Sunday of the year, man. We are excited to get to worship together, whether you're in person or you're online today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of this. Hey, do us a favor, though. Since you are tuning in online or here in person, uh, connect with us. Connect with us here. And you can do that a couple of ways. Number one, if you have the North Point app, Pop that open and click where it says Virtual Connect Card. There's a very brief form. If you fill that out, it's incredibly helpful to us, but it's also a great way that we can stay connected to you. So be sure to fill that out for us. If you're newish to North Point, maybe this is your first time tuning in or being here, no worries. Simply text the word GUEST to 833-CHAT-NCC. We will send that form right back to you in a text message. We're not gonna spam you or anything like that. We just wanna say hello. You can also text the word APP to that very same number, and we'll send you a link where you can download the North Point app. Uh, if you have iPhone, Android, whatever it is, we can get that to you as well. Uh, we're wrapping up our series here this week, and so next week we're gonna start a brand new series coming your way. Uh, it is called... In my head, old school teaching, that was it right there. I remembered, I remembered, Rick didn't tell me. Right, old school teaching, uh, it's gonna be great. We're gonna dive into the Old Testament and look at some great valuable things that we can still apply to our lives today. So join us next week as we dive into that. Uh, one more thing that we wanna do today and that's to worship through our giving. We know that Jesus is the one who provides for us, that he has uh, conquered death for us, that he provides for every single one of our needs, that he draws us closer to himself. And so one of the ways that we worship is through our giving. It's just saying that, hey, God, uh, nothing is more important to me than you, and I know that you're my provider. And so uh, if you want to participate in that this morning, if you've brought a cash or check, you can drop that in the boxes in the back. You can give on the North Point app or simply text the word give to 833-CHAT-NCC. We'll send stuff your way to do that. But take a second this morning, give worshipfully, sacrificially, knowing that God is the one who provides for all of our needs today. So we are going to dive into it here this morning as well. Good morning. Happy Easter. Woohoo! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. We are uh, so glad you're here. If you're watching online, a uh, special welcome to you. I, we're thrilled that you can be a part of us today. And if you're here in the house, welcome as well. We're thrilled you guys are here too. Easter's such a great time, right? Exciting stuff. But if I have to be real honest, I would tell you this morning, I'm worn out. Just kind of tired. I, I mean, I'm, I'm worn out. You know, the kind of worn out that says I'd like to go home and climb into bed, put, pull the covers over my head, have no more monkeys jumping on the bed, uh, you know? That kind of, of tired, worn out. Why am I worn out? Um, Probably for the same reason you are. Not because I stayed up too late last night watching the NCAA Final Four. Not because I binge-watched WandaVision this week. Not because I uh, was out working in the yard yesterday or I've had one too many Zoom meetings. Uh, none of those things. I'm worn out because for the last 14 months, we've been battling an enemy that we can't touch or see. That we know is out there, but we don't know exactly where it is. 
an enemy that's broken up families and friendships and sucked the life out of us. The enemy has permeated every newscast, every sporting event, every holiday, every family gathering, every trip to a restaurant. I'm just worn out. If there's any, con any comfort in that, in that confession, it's this. I'm not alone, because you're worn out too, right? I see those nods. Uh, we're not alone. We're not the only ones to carry a burden. We're not the only ones who want to run from our circumstances. Um, what do you think it was like for the followers of Jesus 2,000 years ago? 2,000 years ago, Jesus came riding into Jerusalem, riding into the capital city like a conquering hero. That's on Sunday. On, Friday night, uh, on Thursday night, Jesus is gathered together with his disciples to celebrate the Passover, a holy day that's filled with drama and tradition that all of the disciples had been celebrating since the time that they were young children. But that night, it was different because Jesus washed the feet of his disciples um, at, before they had the meal together. And after that, after they had shared together in that Passover supper, Jesus taught with an intensity like never before, shared stuff that was on his heart that, that just was so powerful with the disciples. And afterwards, he took all, of his, all the disciples and they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus is praying, what happens? The disciples fall asleep, right? They're asleep, they're asleep and are wakened by Jesus when Jesus comes over and says, hey, look, there's a crowd here that's coming. It's gonna be bad. And they wake up, knock the sleep out of their eyes to see torches and clubs and swords all to come to arrest Jesus. Peter takes out his sword and is, is just ready to defend Jesus. He's ready to go into the, into the fight mode. Um, but Jesus says, no, you know what? We're not gonna do that. That's not what it's gonna be like. And Jesus starts to talk to the crowd. And when he talks to them, they, they actually get silent. They, they fall back before they regain themselves. They get more agitated and then they arrest Jesus. And they take him away in kind of a walking paddy wagon up to the house of Caiaphas. What did the disciples do in that moment? The guys who have seen Jesus supernaturally feed thousands. They've seen Jesus walk on water. They've seen Jesus instantaneously heal people who are blind, who are crippled, who are epileptic. They've seen Jesus raise people from the dead. What do they do? They panic. They get scared. And they run for their lives. Mark describes it this way. Uh, the crowd comes to talk to Jesus and Jesus says, am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts and yet you didn't arrest me, but the scriptures had to be fulfilled. Then everyone, that means the disciples, everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. What made the disciples cut and run? They, they were scared. They were tired. They were emotionally exhausted. They were threatened. They felt the, the fear of that threat. And they'd just been woken from a deep sleep. 
But more than anything, I think they were just worn out. That week had been a crazy week for them. And in that sense of being worn out, it, for them it was either fight or flight. And they chose flight. You know, we're not so different from the disciples. When the pressure is on, when we're backed against the wall, when we're worn out, we run. We run from our problems. We run from our responsibilities. We run from the consequences of bad decisions that we've made in the past. We run from horrible things that have happened to us when we were much younger. We run to escape. But we don't run physically, usually. Usually, we run a different kind of way. We run to the refrigerator, right? We run to Amazon and start to purchase things. We run to Netflix or Prime. We run to the casino or to alcohol or to drugs, to anything that will numb our minds. We run to relationships that are physical, but not any place close to intimate. Some of us even run to exercise. But here's the thing. Running away never works, right? Running away never works. It didn't work for the disciples, and it doesn't work for us. Because when you stop running, wherever it is, however it is that you run, when you stop running, the problems, the things that you've run from, they catch up with you. They find their way to you at the end of that running. And the other thing is, the, the, the reason why running never really works is because when we run away, we usually run away from the solution to our problems as well. When we look back on the story of, of Jesus' arrest, we're able to see clearly what the solution was for the disciples' fear. It was Jesus. What was the solution to the sense of loss that the disciples felt? Realizing in a moment that they may have, have wasted three years of their life, the solution was Jesus. What was the fix for the disciples' fear and anxiety and certainty? It was Jesus. The, but the disciples were afraid, and they were worn out. And when you're worn out, you can't think straight. You can't process information clearly. You can't really make sense of what's right in front of you. Uh, let me just set up the events of that resurrection morning, that first Easter. Late that Thursday night in the garden, the crowd comes to arrest Jesus. Once Jesus is arrested, he's taken to Caiaphas' house. He's interrogated there. Um, he's beaten up there in Caiaphas' house, and they keep him there all night long. Um, the Jewish leaders, as they're trying to decide what to do, um, hold Jesus um, there at the house and finally, they decide that they want Jesus to be executed. So they send Jesus with guards to Pilate, to the Roman governor of Judea. Pilate listens, to, uh, he listens and, and talks to Jesus and ultimately decides Jesus hasn't done anything that's worth being executed for. But he doesn't want to release him because he's afraid of the people. And in the midst of that conversation, he realizes that Jesus is from Galilee. And so he says, I'm going to just give the, the responsibility to somebody else. So he sends Jesus under the guards to Herod, who's the governor, the Roman governor of Galilee, where Jesus was from. Herod doesn't want to deal with Jesus either. He doesn't want to convict him. He doesn't want to let him go. And he sends him back to Pilate. 
So Jesus comes back under guard to Pilate's house, somewhere between eight and nine in the morning on that Friday morning. The word has gone throughout Jerusalem that, that this trial is going on, that Jesus has been brought together and the people pile into Pilate's palace. They come in and, the, and the, the Jewish leaders begin to prime the crowd to call for Jesus' head. Pilate doesn't want to convict Jesus, but he's afraid of the crowd. And so ultimately, he says that Jesus is to be severely beaten and then taken and executed on a hill outside Jerusalem. Jesus is nailed to the cross. And there in the middle of the day then, darkness descends over the entire area. By three o'clock, it's all over. Jesus is dead. An earthquake happens. And two of Jesus' followers come to take Jesus' body off the cross and lay it in one of their family tombs. The Jews disperse. They go that evening as, sun, as the sun begins to set. They go to celebrate the Sabbath, the day of rest. It started on Friday night. But I've, I've got to believe that that day wasn't particularly restful for them. They just experienced an earthquake. The, the phenomena of the, of the sun going dark, the sky going dark in the middle of the day, and the crucifixion of the man that they had just welcomed a week before as the king. Like I said, when you're worn out, when you can't think straight, you can't, when you're worn out, you can't think straight, you can't process information clearly, you can't make sense of what's right in front of you. And that was true of the followers of Jesus. John describes it this way. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went, went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where to find him. Can you sense the fear, the frustration in her voice? Peter and the other disciples, and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, that's John, he's writing about himself, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. You know, when you read that, there's all kinds of running. On Thursday night, everybody's running away from Jesus, right? There's this mass exodus that's there. But on Sunday morning, all of a sudden, there's a lot more running. Mary Magdalene run, runs to Peter and John. Peter and John run to the tomb. They're moving all over the place. They all discover that the tomb is empty. But when you're worn out, you can't think clearly. Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John all see the stone, the stone rolled away. Jesus' grave clothes folded up neatly on that stone slab. But Jesus is nowhere to be seen. They couldn't make any sense of it. John says in describing himself, he says that he saw and believed 
But I've got to question the depth of his belief. Because what do Peter and John do? What's the scripture say that they do? After they see the empty tomb, they go back to the house where they're staying. If you think that there's a possibility that the, that the, the man that you've been following, that you, the guy that you love, that you've said, this is the son of God, that he's alive, what are you gonna do? You're gonna search all of Jerusalem looking for him, right? You're not gonna go back to the house. What are, what are they gonna do there? Hunt for jelly beans because it's Easter morning? You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. We know Mary is confused as well because John describes it. Now, Mary, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. When you're worn out, you can't make sense of what's right in front of you. Jesus was right there, and Mary didn't realize it. She couldn't fathom it. She couldn't even think that it was possible that that could be true. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the garden, she said, the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in, in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, my Lord, my God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them, he had said these things to her. By the middle of that morning, by the middle of the morning, the guards who were posted at Jesus' tomb had begun to circulate a story, a cover story throughout Jerusalem that the disciples had come to steal Jesus' body away and taken the body. Um, the disciples knew that that wasn't true. They knew that Mary Magdalene had come and told them that they had seen Jesus. They knew that Peter and John had seen the empty tomb, but they couldn't make sense of it. They couldn't comprehend that their good friend that they had been following for three years, that they had seen on the cross dying two days before, could be alive. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, they couldn't make sense of what they saw. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Finally, when the disciples see Jesus, everything becomes clear. Even in their fatigue, they know what they know, what they know, that Jesus is alive because they have seen him right in front of their eyes and their lives would never be the same again. They saw him die on the cross, the perfect sacrifice for sin, the innocent for the guilty, the scapegoat that they had seen um, take on the sin of the, of the entire nation on his shoulders. But when they saw him alive, they had seen all that, but when they saw him alive, 
Their despair was replaced with hope. Their fear replaced with joy. Their loss replaced with confidence and boldness. Their uncertainty with purpose. So what's the message for us on April 4th, 2021? As that unseen enemy continues to dominate the news and tries to envelop us in fear and isolation and fatigue, it's this, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus and look him in the eyes. Look to him and know that he is alive, that he has overcome that enemy. In the midst of your fatigue, no matter how worn out you feel, take courage in the reality that Jesus has risen from the dead. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to drag yourself out of bed. You don't have to carry the burden of guilt. You don't have to carry that unending grief of those that you've lost even in the last 12 or 15 months. Jesus is alive. Am I really worn out this morning? Only when I take my eyes off Jesus. Only when I take my eyes off Jesus. The message of Easter is one of hope and victory and life. The message of Easter is all about renewed energy and refreshment and a fresh perspective, purpose that dwarfs a pandemic, peace that creates a new perspective that's full of excitement, full of anticipation, waiting to see what God is going to do in this day, in this time. When you take your eyes from the enemy and the inconvenience and the pain and the suffering that the enemy has caused, your gaze focuses instead on the risen Savior, Jesus. All of a sudden, that loss, that sense of being worn out is replaced by energy that changes everything. The enemy who has robbed us, who has taken our joy and security, hear me in this, the enemy is not a virus. The enemy is the one that Jesus said came to steal and kill and destroy. It's, it's Satan. Satan did come to do those things. He does do that in our lives. He did everything that he could to destroy Jesus on the cross, but he didn't know, he didn't recognize that doing so would result in the victory that we celebrate today, and even more so when we die, maybe especially when we die, when we see him face to face. Do you know Jesus? That's the question that matters most on Easter morning. Do you know Jesus? Not do you know about him, but do you know him? One of my favorite stories uh, is from Max Lucado, and it's, it's what I'd like to just finish today's message with because I think it fits so well. Lucado tells this story. Longing to leave her poor Brazilian neighborhood, Christina wanted to see the world. Discontent with a home having only a pallet on the floor, a wash basin, and a wood-burning stove, she dreamt of a better life in the city. On the morning, she slipped away. Well, one morning, she slipped away, breaking her mother's heart. 
Knowing what life on the streets would be like for her young, attractive daughter, Maria hurriedly packed to go find her. On her way to the bus stop, she entered a drugstore to get one last thing, pictures. She sat in the photograph booth, closed the curtain, and spent all she could on pictures of herself. With her purse jammed full of small black and white photos, she boarded the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. When pride meets hunger, a human will do things that before were thought unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search. Bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with a reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes, she went to them all. And at each place she left her picture, taped on a bathroom mirror, tacked to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to a corner phone booth, and on the back of each photo, she wrote a note. It wasn't too long before both the money and the pictures ran out, and Maria had to go home. The weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village. It was a few weeks later that young Christina descended the hotel stairs. Her young face had aged and was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet. Yet the little village was, in too many ways, too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again, and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes burned and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the small photo. Written on the back was this compelling invitation. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please, please come home. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Stop running. Come home. Jesus has already done the work. Just trust him. And yet finding our way back to God is rarely easy or simple. We've been running away from him for too long. Running has become our norm. It's become our pattern. It's become the way that we live our life. And Satan doesn't want us to stop. He wants us trapped. He wants us tired. He wants us worn out. He did everything in his power to destroy Jesus. He'll do everything in his power to run us into the ground and to destroy us as well. But the one thing that he didn't anticipate, that he never expected, was something that we could run towards, an empty tomb, and someone that we could look in the eye, a risen Savior. A risen Savior is why we can celebrate this morning, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Let's sing together. There was a battle between death and life. And they were upon the tree. 
let's pray together. God, we thank you that Jesus is alive and that he went to the cross for us and that there's victory and joy and purpose in that. God, renew us today because of the power of the resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Look to Jesus, he's alive.